really good discipline and exercise sometimes to declare that God is good all the time. Because sometimes it doesn't feel like that, right? Sometimes things are rough, or maybe uh, you're like me and you didn't get a lot of sleep last night, right? So my confession to you is that I didn't sleep a single wink last night. And uh, it was kind of a combination of things. One, an afternoon nap, right? An afternoon nap, I fell asleep watching the Olympics and uh, for like three hours. So that's like the death wish right there. Um, and then late after dinner, I had, you know, I was craving coffee. So I had a couple cups of coffee. Um, and then I've been feeling restless. And so I couldn't go to sleep. And uh, I started uh, playing, you know, when I have kind of insomnia, I can't go to sleep and I'm feeling restless. I started playing a, a game uh, online. And the game that I've been playing lately is uh, called Slither.io. It's a simple game, right? <laughs> Slither.io, right? Don't do it. It'll addict you. But basically, you start off as the name suggests Slither, right, as a tiny little snake. A tiny little snake. Or I think it's a worm because it looks more like a worm. But you start off as a worm, and you're this small. And there are other worms, right, in this world. You're in this, like, galaxy world. And in this world, there's food, and the food are uh, shiny, colorful, rainbow-colored balls, right? And you eat these stars, and they make you grow. Um, and the other thing is, is that there are other people online, so it's real time, and they're playing, and they have names like The Donald, or I'm Cosmic Worm, <laughs> different things like that, right? Hillary, Hillary for president, or... America and stuff, and based on certain people's names, you want to like go kill them really fast. Um, but when you kill a worm, they turn into bunches of stars, right? Glowy orbs, and you eat the orbs and you grow. But other people see that this worm has died, and they go and eat it. So you're eating these orbs, and you're growing bigger and bigger, right? So you start off at like what, a, what twenty, and um, you eat a big worm, and you basically be, take on what their mass was. Maybe you become a 1,000. And then there's a leaderboard, right? So number one will be something like 10,000 or 100,000 even. There'll be these giant snakes that like encircle like other little tiny snakes and they eat them. And they, the bigger you are though, uh, the more mass you have because the way that you kill snakes is if they run into your side, right? If you run into them, then you die. But if they run into you, then they die. So you're constantly, it's like what you wish in, on I-5 driving during traffic. You wish you could cut off people, right? But you could do this in this world. You go and you cut off someone and they run into their side and they die. And so this game is all about eating and growing, right? You go from small to large. And so I don't know, Janice is like, why do you like this game? Because you hit someone's side and you start off start all over again. You're a small worm. Like there's no, it's not like Elder Scrolls or Destiny. She plays these online games on Xbox where you can develop your character and it's not a waste of time. You're just wasting your time. You're getting big and you die and you start over. And I'm like, I like that, right? There's no commitment. I can press the reset button. I can recreate myself, right? And so I can be anonymous. If I'm on a losing streak, I just change my name and no one will know I made that stupid move. Um, and it's all about change, right? Metamorphosis. It's all about transitions. 
Because the bigger you get, the dynamics change. Like when you're on the leaderboards and you're this massive worm, all these little worms are trying to uh, kill you, right? To eat you up. And so they're surrounding you and they're going after you and you have to like navigate through this world. Um, and the dynamics change. And when you're a smaller worm, you're just trying to cut off bigger worms, try to get that boost to growth. Um, and then when you die, everything that you had is gone and you're back in the middle as this little inchworm, right? And so I love it. Um, I love that there's so much change. And I love that it's in real time, um, that there are other characters you're interacting with, other people online that you're interacting with, and it's a competition. Last week, uh, we ended our series in uh, the Epistles of John, and we discussed in 3 John, hospitality. We discussed that the heart of hospitality, um, the Greek word is epidokamai, and this word translates into receiving to receive, to being open to receiving others. And hospitality in the biblical sense means to be able to take a stranger in your midst and make them not a stranger anymore. So you have an outsider coming into a household or coming into a community as a stranger, but because of the way that you receive them, epidokomai, right, hospitality, they become a part of the family, right? And uh, John... John is praising the church, praising this guy um, because he's been hospitable. He's being hospitable um, and has received missionaries that were sent in the name of Jesus and this openness. Uh, and we talk about being hospitable to the kingdom, that when we're, we open up and receive people, we're opening ourselves up to helping the kingdom move forward. Amen? So hospitality. Um, is receiving people into your space, receiving people uh, into your family, receiving an outsider, um, making them a part of the community, making them feel at home, to feed them, to clothe them. And even in Jesus' words, we remember that there's the sense that when we receive other people, we're receiving him as well. When you clothe the sick, when you feed the poor, when you visit those in prison, you're visiting Jesus himself. Um, so there's this value in the kingdom on hospitality. There's this value in receiving people. But today what I want to talk about is not uh, the act of receiving, but the act of sending out. Because also in scripture, God values and continually acts to call people and to send them out. You see it all through scripture. Um, so along with opening up and receiving people into ourselves is also God's heart that we would be sent out, that we would be sent out. So a lot of us, uh, I shouldn't say us because it's not me, I'm in my 40s, but a lot of us are, uh, a lot of you guys are in your 20s and 30s. And I remember my 20s and 30s, right, was marked by a lot of transition, right? 20s and 30s, transition, right? If you went to college or graduating from college, if you graduated from college, chances are you transitioned to a new city, to a new town. That means you had to let go of a lot of friends, that friendships and friends that you built up in school. Also, when you're in your 20s, you get your first kind of foot in the door in terms of a career, your entry-level position. You're trying to figure out what life is about. You're trying to enter deal with the dynamics with your parents, right? I'm not a kid anymore, right? 
And they're like, then don't, why are you living in my house? And you're like, I don't have, need a curfew, I'm an adult. It's like, then pay rent, right? All these things, transitions, transitions. Um, and in your 30s, right, you might be on a second career. You might go, oh, I need more education, I want to go to school. You might be thinking about marriage, you're getting engaged and you're getting married. And then after you're getting married, you're like, kids, right? I'm transitioning from this dog, right, this pet, to a real, live, little human being, right? Developing my Pokemon child, right? <laughs> like giving it, investing in the child, right? It's a transition. You're trying to grow. Um, career, marriage, children, moving locations, buying a home, right? Friends moving away, getting married. And our church, our community, has had its fair share of transitioning. We, we used to like calling ourselves the sending church. That's the church plant's way of saying we ain't that big because we're always sending people out, right? <laughs> so that's, that's how we call it. We're, send, we're sending them out. No. Well, when we send people out, we send them out well, right? We lay hands on them. We pray for them. We keep in touch. Right? When they're back in town, they visit renewed. There's no, there's no anger. There's no animosity because they feel that even when they're far away, that they're part of the family, that they're part of the church here, right? We're the sending church. Um, and we've had a lot of people that we've sent out. We're sending out two people today. Like, it's Nathan's last Sunday as our worship director, going to Massachusetts, right, the East Coast, to the blizzards and the snow, <laughs> the heat waves right now, right? Where can you get stuff like this, right? It's beautiful. And Vincent, moving to Philly, the doctor is out of the house, got his PhD, going on to bigger and better things. Right? Um, but we're sending Vincent out, who's been an amazing part of our community. And we've uh, loved him. We've been welcomed into his house, you know, hospitality. Um, so there's a lot of sending out and transition. There's sending out in scripture. So when you go into the Old Testament, let's just take the Old Testament, there's a beautiful Hebrew word or phrase, uh, hineni. Do you guys know what hineni means? So do you recognize the times in scripture when God calls and someone says, here I am, here I am, that's hineni. And it means here I am, but more than here I am, it's I'm ready, right? I'm ready to receive your call. I'm prepared to go out and participate in your mission. Here I am, Hineni. Um, so in scripture, uh, we see in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, this doesn't have Hineni in it, but we see that God calls. God calls someone, God calls his people, his individuals, and then he sends them out. And so the first example in uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3 the calling of Abram, later Abraham, uh, the Lord, Genesis 12, 1-3, the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name, I will make your name, and you will be, oh, you will be a great nation. <laughs> this thing broke up. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, 
I will curse, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And I heard uh, my, in seminary my Old Testament prof said, there's no indication that Abraham ever knew, really knew God, uh, or had a, a speaking relationship. There was no indication of that. For all we know, God could have just been like, hey! Right? You remember me? Or you know me? I'm the God of your ancestors. And why don't you leave your family? Leave your father's household. Right? Leave your family. Leave this land that you know. And just go over there. Right? There's no name to this land yet. Just trust me. Right? When you get there, I'll show it to you. Just leave everything. You're rooted. You're landed. You're secure. Everything you know, just go. That's God's call. That could be God's introduc- Abraham's introduction to God. Leave your home and go somewhere. I don't know. I'll, go, I'll tell you. Can you imagine that feeling? I, I freak out when I, my GPS isn't working. And I was like, where do I go? And you're like, oh, oh, Google Maps, Google Maps. And I freak out like, oh, I'm lost. I'm lost. And it's like two blocks from my house. <laughs> so reliant on navigation to feel in control and feel like I know where I'm going. And yet God calls Abram to go away from everything he knows and to strangeness. God calls us sometimes to things that we don't understand. God calls us out of comfort and security um, into new places, into transitions. Right? I was thinking about transitions. Right? Isn't transition really difficult for us? When I go to a doctor's office and I complain of maybe anxiety or maybe depression even, or I have heart issues or blood pressure issues, what is one of the questions they ask? Have you had any major changes lately? Have you lost a job? Or have you gotten married? New job, new place, gotten married, new kids, any sort of change. Because what transition does to us is our systems get freaked out. Because what we know, our maps are changing. We have a map by which we order our lives and we navigate through life, our daily life. as long as the map works, we're like, oh, this map works, right? But when change or transition happens, we need different maps because the terrain is different, right? A new job, you're not as confident anymore, right? Your old job, you're like, yeah, you walk into the office, drink my coffee, hey, Bob, how about them Seahawks? Right? A new job, you're like, what do I do? What are the office politics? What's the boss like? I'm not so sure I'm supposed to do this. Is this right? And so when we don't know what's happening, when we're not in control, right, we don't have quite as good a handle as we used to on something, stress levels go up, anxiety goes up. And so transition are times that people get anxious, people get stressed, people can fall into depression, health, health stuff starts popping up because what we knew, home, what felt like home, is no longer home. And we're going off to a land that we, never, that we don't know about. Are you with me? And yet, 
Thank you. I can always get an amen. Uh, and yet, we know, we all know that change can be good, right? Part of growing up, maturing, or going through life is that we need to change, right? Part of being a, a worm in slither.io is I want to get bigger, right? That means I need to take risks. I need to go into the unknown. Each of us has been in that place, the crossroads, where we're like, I need to make this change and this move, because if I don't, I'm going to be stuck. But when we are in that transition and that change, we feel stuck too, because we don't know where we're going. And so you're in the proverbial between a rock and a hard place, right? That's transition. The space between, or like, but in transitions is a time. Embrace, here's a side note, embrace your transition, right? It's not the transition itself that can make or break you, it's how we respond in the midst of that. Will we respond in faith, right? Or will we cope? Will we flip out and be right <laughs> um, so Genesis 22, 1 through 2. This is the same dude, Abram. Sometime later, it says, God wanted to test Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. And what does Abram say? Himani. Here I am. Right? I, followed, I followed you. Back in chapter 12, I went when you called. And still, here I am. You promised me to be a great nation. I was like, and now I'm like 100 years old. And I have, finally have an only son. Right? Here I am. I believe. I trust. And then God said in verse 2, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. If it was me, I'd be like, here I am not. Right? You asking me to sacrifice my son? But Abraham goes. Genesis 31, 11 through 13. The angel of God said to him, this is Jacob, the call of Jacob in a dream. Jacob. And Jacob answered, here I am, Hineni. And he said, look up and see all the male goats mating with the flock, uh, with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar. And where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go to your native land. Right. Jacob has been um, at work for Laban, who ends up being his father in law. He marries both his daughters uh, for, I think, a combination of 28 years. And God finally says, calls him, and Jacob's like, Here I am. And he says, Go back to your home your homeland. God calls and there's a transition. Genesis 3, 4. When the Lord saw that uh, he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And what's going on with Moses? Moses grew up 
in the Pharaoh's house, right? But then he ran away from Egypt into Midian to his Hebrew background place, homeland, right? Because he was afraid. He didn't know who he was. He was running away uh, from the Egyptian side of him, but he wasn't quite received um, in the other place. And he see, he's walking along, just minding his own business. I just want to live the peaceful life, right? Don't want to be in Pharaoh's household. Don't want to be in Egypt. Just being a shepherd. And he sees a bush burning in the desert. But the, the bush isn't being consumed. And he's like, I need to check this out, right? Most of us would. You see a bush burning over there. It's not burning up. It's not being consumed. Let's check this out. And then he hears Moses, Moses, right? When God sees that Moses had gone over to look, Moses made, took a step, right? A step towards the mystery, a step towards the unknown, a curious look, like, oh, this is something different. God calls him Moses, Moses, his name twice. You see that in other places in scripture, right? Samuel, Samuel, Saul, Saul. God calls, and there's the double name. And Moses responds with, here I am, Hineni. <laughs> and what does God do? He says, go back to Egypt, right, and lead your people out of Egypt. Right? And Moses is like, who am I that I should lead my people? I'm nothing. And God says, I've called, I've called you, and you said, here I am. You will, you will live into what I'm calling you to, and I'll be with you. 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 10, this is a call of Samuel. Samuel, if you remember, uh, was the son of Hannah, uh, who really wanted a child and prayed to God passionately, give me a child. And... Um, when God granted her, she became pregnant, she gave, she offered up Samuel to the temple. All right, so Samuel's now living with Eli in the temple as a young, young boy. And God calls Samuel, Samuel, right, three times, Samuel. And Samuel doesn't recognize the voice of God, the call of God, right? He actually goes to Eli's room. Here I am in a teneni. You called me? A second time, here I am. You called me? A third time, here I am. And Eli, realizing that the Lord was calling the boy, told Samuel, go lie down. But the next time he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Here I am. And the Lord says, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, Speak, for your servant is listening. Speak, for your servant is listening. And then what happens? He's called, he's told hard things. Right? Eli has not been faithful. His sons are jacked up. You need to tell him that I'm going to punish him. Basically, he's giving the call of the prophet. A prophet speaks truth. Right? And a prophet is oftentimes not liked because people don't like what the truth is, and what he has to say. Right, so Samuel, God's call to Samuel, here I am, is go speak against Eli. 
basically the man who's taking you under his wing and you're living in this house and he's training you, right? Speak against him. And it's a hard thing. And that, that in of itself is oftentimes we are called into difficult places. And if you think about it, I like comfort, right? I like to eat, right? Speak about transitions. When I went from a size 30 to a size 33 waist, I'm like, man, this is different. I got to get new clothes. Transitions, right? That's hard, difficult. But comfort, right? If we listen to the voice of comfort in our lives every time, where would that take us? Just play that out. Right? M&M's, Netflixing, <laughs> right? whatever. I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't be a father. No, it's good to be married. It's good to be a father. <laughs> There's good things about it. But it's also hard, right? If we just followed the voice of comfort, if we went through the path of least resistance in our life, we would never do hard things. Because why? Because hard things are hard. They're painful. But just like when you see those Olympians, like, oh, it hurts so much, but gold medal, this is the happiest day of my life. And they're weeping, but their body is just in pain, right? All the suffering that they went through, the training, they had to go through that for the glory of the gold. Do you get it? And sometimes we have to go through suffering and pain in order to grow, in order to get the good stuff that God has for us. And in our culture, that's a difficult thing to kind of absorb and be disciplined in and to like live into because we like comfort and we detest pain. We avoid pain. We tend to. But God calls us into hard things sometimes, to do hard things because one, it's true, it's good, and he has a mission for the world, but also two, it's good for us. He wants to change us and to grow us for the better. Are you with me, church? Sam, that's Samuel. And then Isaiah 6, 8, another example of Hineni. This is the call of the prophet Isaiah. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Here am I, Hineni. Send me. God's like, Really? And he said, go tell this people, be ever hearing but not understanding, be ever seeing but not perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused and make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Hineni, here I am. If you're saying, here I am, this is what I'm sending you to do. I'm sending you to speak truth to the people, but you know what? I'm going to make it so the people don't understand what you're saying. Right? Brick wall. I was just like, what? Come on. There's nothing, there's no glory in that. It's not fun. Sometimes I feel like that up here. Right? Since hearing, they do not hear. And perceiving, they do not perceive. And they're like, well, speaking, you do not speak. Um, so in closing, the challenge is, are you ready to say Hineni? Here I am. I'm ready. Send me. I want to participate in your mission. 
Are you ready to let go of maybe things that um, you've been holding on to for a long time? Or states of being or maps um, that have given you solace, have given you peace and comfort. Right? Your wheelhouse, your habits, the places and the people that you know and you're used to. Right? Life itself will throw us these transitions either way. Um, but the one thing we know that is behind all the changes and transition, God is always calling us. And we have to respond and listen. Are you ready to say, Hineni? Are you ready to say, here I am? Ready and available. Because God is sending you. God has sent you. God will continue to send you. Another way to look at things is when we face change, when we face transitions, when we move, are relocated or uprooted from family, friends, home, into the new, into the unknown, into the mysterious, take comfort in this. God goes before you. God is in the place you are going. God is sending you. Be alert. Look around for God's kingdom working, making itself known to you. God revealing himself to you. God wanting to show you that he's present, that he knows what's happening, that he, he's walking with you. That even though things may be confusing and hard and you're frustrated, and maybe God seems silent to you. God is there, and he's calling you. Whatever the challenge is, whatever, whether it's economic, physical, or spiritual, are you going to say, Hineni, I'm ready, send me. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are God who calls us and who sends us. And give us the courage, give us uh, the openness and the readiness and the willingness to say, here I am, Hineni. Um, even as we're uprooted, um, even as we feel displaced or in transition, um, you're calling our names. Give us ears to hear and lips to respond. In your name, amen.